Thank you very much for that, ladies. God bless you. I sure appreciate all of the men and women who serve the Lord here in this church. And I sure appreciate the ministry of music, don't you? Amen? Our choir and special music, our musicians, praise the Lord for each and every one who takes part. We even have um, uh, Sunday night specials uh, once every three months on the fifth Sunday. And we have um, men and women who play musical instruments. We call them our orchestra. And so they get involved as well. Open your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Psalms. Psalm number 50, 5 Psalm 50. Now my, my desire, my goal, again, is to strengthen you in faith to help. Well, it's like iron sharpeneth iron. And I'd like to try and put a cutting edge on your faith tonight and to say a few things that might encourage you to live by faith and to trust the Lord. And these are important days in which we live. We don't have forever to serve the Lord here in this life. Our days are numbered, and we need to make the most of them. And we can't just sort of sit back and let everyone else do it. We've got to get involved. Everyone. Now, not everyone's going to do the same thing, and maybe not everyone can do as much as some others, but we can all do something. And it's to be done by faith. And so that is our object tonight, is to learn to live our lives by faith. Now, if you have your Bible open at Psalm 50, if you're able, would you stand with me, please? We'll be reading from verse 9 through to verse 15. Verse 9 to verse 15. Let's read it out together. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us with this, to know what this uh, passage means and how to apply it to our hearts and lives. Every one of us here, Lord, we, we live an important life. Every life here in the, uh, the church building tonight is an important life and can bring you honor and glory. And it's a life through which you can accomplish some wonderful things. Uh, through the uh, children and the teenagers um, in our lives through school and, and our, our jobs, our ministries for you, Lord. And beyond that, we're able to do exceeding abundant. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to walk by faith, to live by faith, to look for opportunities to love and serve you by faith. Father, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you so much for the family of God here at this church. They mean so much to me. Lord, I pray that you would bless us together, that we can apply ourselves to your honor and glory over the next days and weeks and months. And Lord, we pray that we could finish off this year, if we have that much time before Jesus comes. Lord, you'd allow us to finish this year in a blaze of glory for God. And help us to this end, by faith, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So I want to talk about faith, living our lives by faith. And uh, I want to tell you a story that happened to my wife and I. It's going on 10 years ago. We had the privilege of uh, visiting Israel. We never, ever thought we could ever get over to Israel. Just the thought of it was just too phenomenal for us. However, I at that time had done some extensive counseling with a, uh, a couple and they were very appreciative and out of the blue they said to me, Pastor, have you ever been to Israel? And I chuckled, I said, no, no I haven't. Then they said, would you like to go? And all of a sudden the world stopped turning there for just a moment. And I said, what do you mean? Well, he worked for an airline and he was uh, able to get tickets uh, he called them the, um, uh, the buddy ticket. And so 
I didn't realize how far down the, the ladder the buddy ticket is. It's not first class. You're not guaranteed anything. Uh, but if there are seats available, you can get on. And so my wife and I went. We went to Israel. We were there for over two weeks. And if you ever have the opportunity to go to Israel, I think it's worth doing. I think it'll make your Bible come alive. Now, it's going to uh, cost you a few bucks unless you can find that couple and counsel them. (laughs) And then they might be able to help you out with some tickets or something. However, it was a marvelous time that we spent there. And uh, then it came time to come back. And so we were in Tel Aviv at the time to catch the airplane to come back to New York. And then from New York, we had to go to Salt Lake City. And from Salt Lake City, we had to come to Vancouver YVR. And so it was, you know, quite a little jog. Uh, I don't do real well on these long extended flights because I'm so long and tall. I got to, you know, tuck my knees up in these tiny little seats and so on. But um, I was prepared to do that. I didn't realize it at the time, but God was setting us up for a trip by faith. It was going to be a trip home by faith and certainly not by sight. We were supposed to leave on a Sunday night. We got to the airport and we were told, now we didn't have anything but buddy tickets. That's all we had. And they told us, sorry, you're out of luck. There are no more seats available. They're all filled up. And there are, there are people on a waiting list. People flying standby had much higher seniority than what we had. I'm telling you, we were the bottom of the bottom, is what we were. But um, they told us, um, well, um, you might want to uh, come back tomorrow, tomorrow night, and see how we do. And so this was Sunday night. And so my wife and I thought about it and we prayed and we felt a peace to stay an extra night. Now this is pretty much on money that we kind of didn't have. We were kind of out of money at this point. And so we uh, managed to find a hotel room and we came back to the airport uh, the next night, which was Monday night. And we got there with our bags packed and everything. And on Monday night, we found that two of the four planes that were leaving Tel Aviv to come to North America had been canceled due to bad weather. Two of them were scrubbed. There was only two left. And so um, those two were already overcrowded. So we're at the airport again, the second night, all our bags and everything. Out of four planes, two are gone, uh, canceled, and the other two are overbooked. They're overcrowded. And we were told there's no chance, there's no possible chance of getting on, uh, perhaps for up to a week, is what we were told. They told us, you might want to just bite the bullet and just stay here uh, another week. So we talked with them some more, and they said, well, if you want, you can come back tomorrow night. Now that's Tuesday night. Well, we sat down and We prayed for wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And so we sat down and we prayed for wisdom, and we felt in our heart a peace that we should stay. This is Monday night. And so we stayed by faith. We didn't know if we would be sleeping in the airport that night, you know, over till till the next day. But... I tell you, we did think of Matthew 9.29, according to your faith be it unto you. That verse has come to mean the world to us over the years. We, uh, we were particularly taught that verse by the Lord many years ago when we were still in the city of Ottawa. And uh, God brought that home to our hearts once again as we were in the Tel Aviv airport that Monday night waiting to get home with no chance of getting home. And 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. While we were sitting there with absolutely no possibility of getting on the airplanes, there was only two planes left and they were over, overbooked already. They hadn't quite left. We sat there and we were waiting. And I, I remembered a, a story I had read uh, involving George Mueller. 
George Mueller went home to be with the Lord almost 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago, I guess. He was a tremendous man of faith that would trust God for things and God would give him these things in order to serve the Lord. If you don't know anything or much about the life of George Mueller, you need to get uh, a hold of one of his uh, books. He wrote an autobiography and there are many other good books on his life. Uh, he was a godly man and you will learn a lot on how to pray and trust God and let your faith grow. But there was a story, a true story that happened uh, in George Mueller's life when he was an older man, much older, I believe in his 80s at the time. And he and his wife had been in North America. Now they were, they were living in Bristol, England, sort of as like missionaries. He was the guy that set up the orphanage homes and he was looking after 10,000 children by faith. Think of that the next time your teenager raids your refrigerator or something, cleans you out, you know, like a bunch of locusts. They come and go and there's nothing left. Hooray for the teens. Amen. And so think of how George Mueller had 10,000 that he looked after, housed them, clothed them, fed them, and taught them school, taught them trades as well. And so uh, this story happened when he was in North America and he was actually in Quebec here in Canada. And he had to catch um, a steamer boat, because that's what they had back in the 1800s, a steamer boat that would take him and his wife back to England. Um, the man who relates the story was Major uh, D.W. Whittle. And um, Major Whittle has written a number of hymns, some of which are in our hymn book. Uh, showers of blessing, showers of blessing, we need. That was written by Major Whittle. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed. That was written by Major Whittle. They're in our hymn book. Great man of God, this Major Whittle. And so he was there at the port with uh, George Mueller. And um, let me read for you what he wrote. He said, I met Mr. Mueller the morning of our sailing from Quebec to Liverpool, that's a, a port in England, about half an hour before um, the, the, the boat was to take passengers, uh, he asked the agent about a deck chair, a special chair that had arrived, if it had arrived from New York. And he was told no, and there's no possible way that this chair could arrive before the steamer came and left. Now, Major Whittle had purchased a chair uh, locally, and he suggested to Mr. Mueller that he go, because there was still time, that he go and purchase a chair. It was to be for um, George Mueller's wife, and she had uh, quite a bit of health problems. And here was, here was George Mueller's reply, and this is what Major Whittle wrote. His reply to me was, No, my brother, our Heavenly Father will send that chair from New York. It is the one used by Mrs. Mueller, I wrote 10 days ago to a brother who promised to see it forwarded here last week. He's not been as prompt as I would have desired, but I'm sure our Heavenly Father will send the chair. Mrs. Mueller is very sick on the sea and has particularly desired to have this chair. Not finding it here yesterday, we've made a special prayer that our Heavenly Father would provide it for us and we trust He will do so. So Major Whittle writes, as this dear man of God went peacefully on board the ship, running the risk of Mrs. Mueller making the trip without this special chair, when for a few dollars she could have been provided for, Major Whittle wrote, I confess I feared Mr. Mueller was carrying his faith principles too far and not acting wisely. I was kept at the express office uh, another 10 minutes after Mr. Mueller left. Just as I started to hurry to the wharf to get on, on board the ship. A team of horses drove up the street and on top of the load that had just arrived from New York was Mrs. Mueller's chair. It was sent at once to uh, the, the, the tender, that's what they called the man, and placed into my hands to take to Mr. Mueller just as the boat was leaving the dock. Mr. Mueller took it with the happy, pleased expression of a child who had just received a kindness deeply appreciated and reverently moving his hat and folding his hands over it, he thanked the Heavenly Father for sending the chair. And I thought about that story as I sat there in the airport at Tel Aviv 
And I thought, if God could supply a chair in the nick of time, I mean, the odds of that happening are so slim. But if God can answer those kind of prayers, could he not answer our prayers to be able to get home? Because we were at that point kind of stranded. And so I thought about how God did this and how God rescued others. And what happened is as I was sitting there, Mrs. White and I were sitting there, our faith grew. Our faith was strengthened to trust in the Lord. Now the devil tempts us all the time. The devil tempted us to leave the airport and go find a hotel and go into debt and put it on credit card and so on. But we stayed by faith. Not by feeling, but by faith. We also texted to our family to pray for us. Well, at 10.40 p.m., one of the planes filled completely with people and left. It was gone. There was one plane left. At 12.40 a.m., the plane was almost completely full, and we stood there watching helplessly as the last seats were given away. And suddenly I felt as if I should go up to the counter and remind them, hey, we're still here. I learned that lesson many years ago when I was in Toronto. I had gone there for a, a special conference and I had to catch a plane to get back to Ottawa where, where we were living. But somehow I missed the plane. And so I was stranded down. If you know Toronto, there's a harbor down there. And Doug, you would know this, wouldn't you? There's a harbor there. And there was the, I, I, I got the cheapest plane I could. They used to call it the Great Shakes Airline because the thing would shake like this. You know, and then when it would bank, it would go like this. And that's the end of your, your breakfast or your lunch. You lost it, you know, and it would go like this and circle around and land on the island. Then you take this little boat over and there you are in the city of Toronto. Well, I had to get this boat back and the boat left without me. So I was stuck. And so I'm there with my suitcases and my wife packs them and boy, can she pack a mean suitcase, I'll tell you. They were heavy. And I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I kind of walked around and I looked up and there was the Harbor Hilton Hotel. And I thought, I wonder if there's anyone in there that could help me. So I walked in and I looked around at the counter and they were all dealing with people and I saw one guy was empty. So I went over to him and I said, can you help me? I just missed my... my my plane. He said, are you a guest at the hotel? And I thought of telling a fib, but I told, no, I said, I'm not. And I explained the situation. He said, hmm, wait here, let me see what I can do. And so he took off for a few minutes and then he came back and he, he signaled to me, he says, wait right here. And he took off the other direction. And he came back after a little while and he said, I think I got you a, a, a seat on an Air Canada flight home. It's a, uh, a window seat. And um, I got you on there. And I'm going to take you to the airport. Is that alright with you? I said yes. And so he got the company. The, the Hilton Stretch Black Limousine. It's as long as this auditorium. A huge thing. And he drove this thing. And I sat way in the back. And I couldn't believe this royal treatment I was being given. We drove to the Toronto International Airport. And you know all those signs that say, don't park here, don't park, if you value your life, don't park here. He parked there. He was allowed to park there. And I got out of the, of the limousine, he opened the door for me, and uh, he took my big bags that my wife had packed, and I could, he, he, he wouldn't let me carry them. He wanted to carry them for me. And I could see him groaning under the weight of these things, but he took me all the way up to the, uh, the ticket place there, and then shook my hand, and didn't cost me a cent. God taught me a lesson to trust Him. We serve a, an amazing God who can do exceeding abundantly above all we can ever ask or think. And so here we are back at Tel Aviv and it's 1240 in the morning and there's only one plane left and they're giving away the seats to the last people that have standby. There's no more seats. We're told, you're not going to get on there. And I... I just felt I needed to go and talk to someone at the desk. And I just told them, hey, I just wanted you to remember that we're, we're still here. Oh, oh, they said, you, uh, you're still here. And they, they got on their computer and they typed away there. And all of a sudden, 
the girl said to me, we have, for some reason, two last seats on the plane, if you want them. Yes, I said. Now she said, one of them uh, is in the, uh, the regular class and the other one's in first class. Do you mind that? I said, we'll take anything we could get. And so uh, my wife went and sat back in the, uh, the baggage area. And uh, she sat beside, uh, there was some guy in the chair there beside her. And I went back and I said to the guy, sir, my wife and I have been given, you know, these seats. One of them is in first class and she's sitting in the other one. Would you mind trading seats with me? You can have my first class seat. Would that be all right? He jumped up. He said, he shook my hand. I never saw him again. He went up in the first class. I sat beside her. We rejoiced. Oh, hallelujah. We rejoiced. What God did, we should not have been able to get on that plane. How did we get on? I believe by faith. God's mercy, of course, but God loves to show himself strong. Now that's something that we need to never forget. Because we're always going to be tested and tempted in various things. And the devil's going to tempt us to despair and get upset and get bent out of joint, you know, or something. And, and have, have a hissy fit. We need to approach these things by faith. Lord... For some reason, you've allowed this. Please, if, it, if it's all right with you, Lord, help me get on the plane. Help me. I'll have a story to tell. I'll be able to encourage others, Lord. God may want us to, to sometimes stay overnight or whatever. In this particular case, God did a great miracle. But that was only the first leg of the journey. So he took us from Tel Aviv to New York City. And uh, when we got there, we still had two more overbooked airplanes to catch in order to get home. The story's not over. So when we got to New York, the plane from New York to Salt Lake City was already full and uh, it had a waiting list. And we had to wait. And we waited till the last possible moment. And we prayed, of course. We sat down and we prayed, Lord, you got us here. We know you can get us the rest of the way home if it please you. Why leave us stuck halfway? Huh? We're, we're on our way, Lord. Finish the job. And we prayed. The um, man behind the counter called us up and gave us the last two seats on the plane. On an overcrowded plane. Oh, our hearts did a backflip. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so we got on this plane. We should not have been able to do that. But God got us on this plane and got us from New York all the way to Salt Lake City. And we got off the plane and we thought, well, we're two-thirds of the way home. It's just one more plane from here to Vancouver. In Salt Lake City, we found that the only single plane to Vancouver had one and only one empty seat on it. And there was one person in line ahead of us. <laughs> That's the situation that we found. There was a nearby counter with about four telephones on it. And it had this big sign that said, Helpline. And I looked at my wife and, do you see what I see? There's a helpline right to heaven. I said, let's go talk to God. And we went and we sat down and we prayed, oh dear Lord. We know you can, you know, leave us stranded here, but if it please you, why don't you finish the, what you've started, Lord? I mean, you've done two miracles already. What's one more? Lord, we need to get home. You know that. We don't really have any money to stay in hotels and anything like that. Please, Lord, get us home. Get us home for your glory, for your honor. Please do this. And so we use the helpline, so to speak, and we talk to the Lord and we prayed to God for help. And right before the plane took off, we were somehow given two seats on the plane. And my wife's seat was over here, and my seat was over there. And I spoke to the lady sitting next to my wife, if she would mind switching seats, because she was all by herself. And if I could sit with my wife. And she was happy as could be to do that for us. And so she took my seat over there and I took my seat beside her. And we flew back home to YVR. 
You know, it's things like that. You just don't forget things like that. And it really encourages you. It strengthens you because God is able. Now in Psalm 50, verse 15, His promise is, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. And we glorified God that day. We lifted God up in our hearts and glorified Him. Now, years ago, I've told you this story. If you were around many years ago, you've heard this before, but it's a good story. And it's true, as I'm standing here, there are times when you and I just need to be bold in our faith and take God at His word. Matthew 9.29, According to your faith, be it unto you. I'm going to give you several scriptures. You just write them down if you like. They'll be a blessing to you and they'll increase your faith. Matthew 9.29, According to your faith, be it unto you. If you believe you can do it, you will. If you don't believe you can do it, you won't. 1 John 5.4, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That's 1 John 5.4. Matthew 17.20, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. That's Matthew 17.20. Mark 5.36, Be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. Listen, there's no difference between Christians. We all have the same Heavenly Father. We all have the same wonderful Savior Jesus. We all have the same glorious Holy Spirit living inside us. We're all sinners saved by His grace. We all have faith. The question is, will you use your faith? You already have at least faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. Will you use it? Remember, faith is like a muscle. And the more you exercise it and use it, the bigger it gets. And some Christians do such phenomenal things like George Mueller. Tremendous things he did for God. He did them by faith. But he didn't start with that huge faith. He started with a little faith. And he trusted God on the little things. And it grew from there. Many of us just dabble with faith. We just play with it like a little toy. Some of us quit too early before God does His miracle. And folks, we're asking God for a miracle. For a million dollars. That's a miracle, isn't it? Yes? Sure is. For us, for our little church, a million dollars? That's quite a miracle. I wonder if any of us will quit praying and quit trusting God and quit looking to God before He does His miracle. Many of us have signed up and said, I'm going to trust God for this much. I'm going to trust God for that much. We took those little papers and we put them like a big placemat like that on the back wall there with the number 1.171 million right over top. It's now 1.181, by the way. I wonder if anyone who's put in a paper is going to quit on God. I wonder if anyone who put down 10,000, they're going to trust God for 10,000, if they're going to quit the day before God gives a miracle. That's one of our problems. We quit too soon. We need to, to learn the words, don't quit. Those are good words, folks. Someone suggested that Christians should never quit. When you go home, find your, your dictionary. If you've got a dictionary, and get a pair of scissors. and <clears throat> Cut the word quit right out of your dictionary. Get it out of there. We, uh, we need to learn to just keep on keeping on and never give up. Very important. God's miracle usually comes at the last second. I'll show you what I mean. Go to the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Turn there now, would you please? Hebrews chapter 4. This story that I've shared with you, God did His miracles not in advance, but at the last moment, at the last possible moment. There's a story told of a, a father who was taking his, his little daughter with him. They were going to get on the train. They were going to go to a city and visit someone. And as they got in the car and they were driving, the little girl said, Daddy, uh, I don't have a ticket. I don't have a ticket. They won't let me on the train without a ticket. And her father wisely said, Honey, don't worry. When the time is right, we'll have the tickets. 
Okay, but she wasn't too sure. He got and parked the car, and they got out, and they went in, and all the crowds of people and so on, and then they started going, you know, right up to the, the train, and she's getting nervous. Daddy, I still don't have a ticket. They're, they're not going to let me on. Oh, don't worry, honey. It'll be all right. And so they both got on the, the train. They sat down in a seat, and she was pretty nervous. And the uh, conductor came, tickets please, tickets please. And people were presenting their tickets, and he was punching them. And then finally the conductor, you know, came to, to the little girl and her daddy. And the girl's eyes were as big as this. And she thought, it's the end of the road. This is it. I'm going to jail. I don't have a ticket. And just then her daddy reached in his pocket and pulled out two tickets. One for him and one for her. Thank you. Stamped them there. And on they went. You see, at the right time, God brings his miracle. Now your Bible's open at Hebrews chapter 4. I'd like you to read out loud with me one verse, verse 16. Read it out loud with me now. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In time of need literally means in the nick of time. Exactly the time you need it. Not ten days before. Sometimes not even ten minutes. But at the very moment you need it. God is right there to supply it. Takes faith. Takes faith. But that's what pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I encourage you to diligently seek God every day for whatever amount it is you're trusting. Asking God to give you out of the blue so you can put that into the building fund. I have an amount. My wife has an amount. We don't have the money, but we're trusting God for it. And I want to remind you of Luke 6 and 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Find a need, a legitimate need, and give to that need. That triggers the promise of God. It obligates God to give back to you. Over the years, we've seen this happen numerous times where we've given to needs. We'd give $50 to a Someone that had a need, within a week, two weeks, we'd get $400 out of the blue. Say, how does that happen? That's impossible. I know it's impossible. I know that. You don't have to tell me. That's impossible. But not with God. Because God delights to show Himself that way. You just need to put God to the test. Prove me now, herewith saith the Lord. Remember that one? What's the context of that verse? What's the context? What's the one word? Starts with the letter T. T-I. Tithing. Tithing. There's Christians that don't tithe, you know that, because they're afraid. If I tithe, I'll go broke. God says, you won't go broke, honey. i got all the money in the world. Tithe, trust me. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and prove me now, herewith saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room to receive it. I started tithing back in 1974, before I got saved. Four months or so before I became a Christian, I started tithing. I've been tithing ever since. I've never seen God fail. Never, 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 never seen God fail. Even when I've been through some tough times financially, I've never seen God fail me. I always tithe, always tithe, always tithe. It's like clockwork. I just do it because I know it works. I Listen, I can't afford not to tithe. If I stop tithing, I think I'm in trouble financially. I can't afford that. That's why I tithe. I tithe because I honor God. I tithe because I love the Lord. It's my way of putting myself out uh, on a limb. It's my way of showing Him how much I love Him. It's simply by tithing. But you've got a promise right here in front of you in Hebrews 4.16 where God promises you that if you come to Him and trust Him and exercise faith, He will give you the help you need in the nick of time. In time of need. Times of temptation, times of persecution, times of suffering, times of doubt, times of financial despair. Whatever it is, He will give you the answer in the nick of time. 
Now, when we were waiting at the airport in Tel Aviv, if you had come up to me and said, Pastor, how do you feel? Are you scared? I would have said, yep. You're scared? Yep. You get scared? I do. Do you doubt whether God might answer this prayer of yours? Yep. I, I have times of doubt. I do. I shouldn't, but I do. A man came to Jesus once seeking to get his son healed. It was a very serious matter. And Jesus asked him, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And the man cried. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Help me, Lord, because I've got two things inside me. I've got belief and I've got unbelief. I've got trust and I've got doubt. Lord, I love you. I trust you. But I have doubt that I struggle with. I have unbelief that plagues me, bothers me. Lord, help me with this miserable doubt. Lord, I trust you with what I got. I'm trusting you. Now help me with my doubt. Maybe some Christian here tonight needs to pray for help with their doubt. I got another problem. It's called gout. That's why I got the cane. It's in my knee. A couple weeks ago, got gout. Wow. I don't mind the gout, really. I don't mind the pain and discomfort because I see God blessing the church. This is a critical time for our church if we're going to take a quantum leap forward, if God's going to get us into a building bigger so that we can reach more people with the gospel. That's what it's all about. That's the idea of a building. I was talking with one of the brothers before the service began. We, we, we talked about a bigger building. Yeah, one thing about a bigger building, there's more problems with a bigger building. There's more headaches with a bigger building. Then what do you want a bigger building for? To reach more people with the gospel, that's why. I'll gladly put up with the headaches and the problems. Gladly. I'll gladly put up with gout in both knees. You know, he can have both my legs if he wants. If that will bring about his purpose on earth, to get more souls saved. I'd gladly do that. There is no cost too great for me to pay if it will result in the glory of God and souls saved. There is no cost too great. Now, I didn't start that way in life, but I want to finish that way in life. Was I scared in Tel Aviv? Yeah. Doubts crossed my mind. But did I quit? No, I didn't. That's the thing. Don't quit. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep crying out. I think God allowed that experience in Tel Aviv and New York and Salt Lake City so that I could tell you about this and encourage your hearts. Turn back to the Gospel of Luke. We're just about done here. And I'm challenging you tonight to take a step up the ladder in faith. Luke chapter 11. Would you please go there? Luke chapter 11. Wow, this is a powerful lesson on prayer. Take this to your heart. Luke 11, verse 5, follow along. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is a friend, that's the relationship part of it, yet because of his importunity, you say importunity, what does it mean? It means persistence. It means a holy desire. It means a man on a mission and he's not going to take no for an answer. That's importunity, his persistence. Because of his, his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Did you catch that? Let me say it to you again. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. That word importunity, it's a, a verbal in nature and it's present tense. It means you keep doing it. You keep at it. You don't quit. 
Verse 9, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given unto you. That means ask continuously. These are present tense verbs. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. These are all present tense, actively going on. You don't do it once and quit. Oh, I don't believe in prayer. Why? I tried it once. It didn't work. Duh. You got to keep going after it. Keep going after it. That's how I got my wife to marry me. I wouldn't give up. I told her I was Mr. Wonderful. She didn't believe me. I didn't believe it either. But I kept after her till she finally gave up. Oh, all right, I'll marry you. <sighs> well, it was a little different than that, but you get the idea. Verse 10, for everyone, put your name in there. Everyone, everyone, put your name there. Everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now I'd like you to turn a couple pages to the right and go to chapter 18. I want to show you another prayer warrior with importunity, persistence, holy desire, someone who didn't quit. And it's a lady, a great prayer warrior. Chapter 18, look at verse 3. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him. That's this crazy judge who didn't fear God at all. She came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Pause for a moment. Here's a lady that had a just cause. She'd been wrong done. Someone did her wrong. And when you're a widow back in that culture, in that society 2,000 years ago, you had no governmental agencies to go to. There was no hotline you could call. You couldn't get free legal aid or anything. You were absolutely on your own. It's like the buddy ticket system, only worse. And so she said, avenge me of mine enemy, verse 4, and he would not. What are the next three words? Read them out loud. For a while. He would not for a while. He stood his ground for a while. He said, absolutely no for a while. He said, get out of my office for a while. He said, I will not help you for a while. I will not go with you for a while. I will not avenge you for a while. What happened next? But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, underline those two words please, by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect? which cry day, underline that word, and night, underline that word, unto him. Christian, that's one of your problems. You cry once, and then you go a whole week and you cry again. Ah. You need to cry day and night. Day and night. When it's night, you cry out to God. When it's day, you cry out to God. Then it's night and you cry out to God and go to sleep. You get up and it's day and you cry out to God. Day and night, day and night, day and night, you cry out to God. That's how it works, folks. That's how, that's how we get prayers answered. There it is right there. Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. That means when God does it, it's going to happen fast. It doesn't mean that as soon as you say, Oh, Father... Help me, zoom, your answer is there. It doesn't mean that. It means you're going to cry out to God. You're going to learn to get on your knees. You're going to learn to get on your face. You're going to look at your watch. You're going to look at your bank account. You're going to say, oh God, it has to happen by, by tonight. Otherwise, I, they're going to kill me. Tonight comes and goes. You're still alive the next day. So I can't believe it. I'm still here. But right at the nick of time when you do need it, that's when God will give it. But James said, Ye have not, because ye ask not. And there's our problem for many of us. We're not asking. We're not crying out to God day and night. God wants to show himself strong in the lives of his children. Why? Because it glorifies him. God can accomplish a lot. 
And that's why he wants you and I to live by faith. We are to live by faith, not by sight. Whatever your problems are, you need faith to overcome them. You need faith to get through them. You need faith to put up with them. You need faith, otherwise you will be overcome. Your particular problem may require that you exercise faith over a long period of time, such as weeks or months, possibly even years, when it comes to maybe the salvation of a loved one, or perhaps your need of housing, or your need of a job or something. You may be required to exercise faith over a long period of time. Or perhaps your particular problem may require you to exercise faith over a shorter period of time, an intense period of faith like ours, H-O-U-R-S, similar to ours, my wife and I, when we were in Tel Aviv. We were in Tel Aviv. We didn't have weeks and months. We had hours, H-O-U-R-S. And we cried out to God exceedingly. I mean, there was hardly a moment we weren't praying audibly or, in our, or at least in our hearts. Whatever you need, the answer is God's miracle through your faith. I'm going to give you four steps to using your faith. Jot them down, I suggest. I'm going to give you scriptures as well. Number one, number one, stay right with God. You need to stay right with God. This will do you no good if you live like the devil. Live for Jesus on Sunday and live for the devil on Monday. Not going to get your prayers answered. Stay right with God. Read your Bible daily. Confess sin quickly. Write down Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2. Jot that down. It says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Sin closes the door, bang, on getting our prayers answered. Stay right with God. If you're all bent out of shape with another person, you're all mad and upset and you get into argumental fistfights or throw verbal hand grenades at each other or something, that's got to stop. That's absolutely got to stop. You know, a lot of husbands get bitter at their wives. You know that. Wives sure know that. Boy, that's one of the worst things. You, at the altar, you pledge to God how much you love this woman. You promise before all these witnesses you're going to honor her and treat her right and everything. And it isn't a year go by and you're reneging on your vow and your promise and, and you're bitter at her, you're mad at her for one reason. Some crazy husband I heard of got mad at his wife and the next day at breakfast, you know, she says, what do you want for breakfast? I want, I want, I want uh, two eggs. How do you want them? I want one scrambled, I want one fried, okay? And so she did that and she brought them and set them before him and he was mad at her. Why are you mad at me? You scrambled the wrong one. And some guys are dumb enough, you know, to follow that kind of reasoning and logic in, in their arguments and their bitterness. And the Bible says that if you're bitter at your wife, it's going to hinder your prayers. You're not going to get your prayers answered. You're going to cut yourself off, shoot yourself in the foot. Number two, pray asking God's will on the matter. You need to pray asking God's will on the matter. Write down 1 John 5.14 and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know He hear us, then we know we have the petitions that we, we re, uh, desired of Him. That's 1 John 5.14. Number three, remain sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remain sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Learn to discern. Learn to discern. In James chapter 4, verse 3, write that down. James 4, 3 it says, it says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Sometimes we ask God for what sounds like a good thing, but we got a secret motive going on. Ananias and Sapphira had a secret motive going on. You remember that? Book of Acts? What happened to them? Yeah. Wow. That's scary. Number four, do not give up. Do not give up. John 16, 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask. Ask that your joy may be full. Ask and ye shall receive. Do not give up. Very important. Many of you are asking God for a certain amount of money to be able to give to the million dollar building fund. Don't give up. Follow these four simple steps and keep crying out to God. And God will bring the money in. It's his business. It's, it's his money. It's his church. It's his building. 
He'll bring it in in His timing. We don't have to fret and worry. But we need to do our part, folks. Part of our part is to pray and seek God. Lord, please give me something that I can give to the, the building fund. I told you a story that I read many years ago about a missionary in Africa. He was used of God to lead a lot of the people in the village to Christ. He had a great little church going. And there was a need. And he was asking the villagers if they could give something to the need. Every night, they had church meeting every night, and they'd sing songs, and he'd preach, and they'd have prayer, and like revival. People were coming, and they were giving what they could to help meet this need in a neighboring village. And there was this one older lady, and she was destitute. She had nothing. She'd been a widow for years. Children gone. She was a believer, though, loved the Lord with all her heart. And she had nothing. And the missionary knew it. And then one night, she came and she put in the offering basket because that's how they would do their offering. She came and put a dollar in there. That was quite a sum of money back then. We're talking a long time ago. And the missionary noticed it and thought, oh my, where in the world did she get that? I hope she didn't steal it. And so after the meeting was over, he went and sat down with her and said, Mama, I know that you're destitute. Where did you get that money? She said, you know, I love the Savior and I do anything for him. And I want to help. I want to be part. I want to do what I can. But I, I have nothing to give. And so this morning, I went to a neighboring village and I sold myself to be a slave for a dollar. That's what I want to do for my Savior. I wonder how many of us Christians are going to sit back and do nothing and let other Christians do all the praying, do all the giving. I wonder how many Christians are never going to go up to the 104 building and drive around it and park and pray. Let others do that. I wonder. Now, I don't know anyone's giving or anyone's heart. I have no clue. And that's the way I want to keep it. But I do know this. When God sees our faith, when He looks down and He sees all of the dear folks of Grace Baptist Church praying and seeking God to be able to give something to the building program and going up there out of our way and praying on that big monster building, when God sees our faith, that's when He will give us. That's when we'll have a party, folks. That's how it works. We have a great big wonderful God. According to your faith, be it unto you. I pray that every single one of us here tonight will grow in faith. To ask for the impossible. To believe in the unbelievable. And to watch God do a miracle. Who will join me? Let's stand to our feet here tonight. Let's have a word of prayer.